Right back at it, Kyle Means, War Media Editorial Director, with the second part of our initial Fandemonium special here, a preview. Uh, just a, a couple of great discussions finishing off uh, with you know, some of my, uh, you know, mo- most admired colleagues and everything, people who I knew were going to be uh, passionate and informed about these discussions that we were going to have here, of course, about the uh, Oscars and films and awards as they are now, award shows as they are now in 2021, what needs to be improved and everything in particular with the Oscars. And, uh, you know, Marvel and the way that they have, you know, bounced back out of the pandemic and what to look for with them going forward. You know, had a lot of fun with uh, our group there. Uh, you know, if you heard the first show, I hope you did. Uh, definitely uh, check that out if you haven't already. Uh, you know, but a few, you know, you can actually, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go ahead and listen to the rest of this and uh, then go back and check that out, you know, from a full perspective. But, you know, like, uh, like I said, with these specials, just fandomonium, being a fan, being really into, you know, low-key obsessed about uh, these cool things of pop culture, so much going on right now uh, across uh, all, you know, platforms and, you know, platforms mixing in with each other, using uh, various characters and and established uh, intellectual properties, you know, just really existing over TV, film, you know, everything, you know, so, you know, we just going into stuff like that with these, uh, you know, with these specials uh, going forward and, uh, you know, just really getting to the root of things and I say, but yet having fun with these discussions as well and uh, being, you know, smart about it and informative as we always are here at War. So, uh, you know, keep checking us out and uh, follow us here on uh, your favorite podcast platform and uh, keep following uh, war on YouTube as well. Uh, we've got a uh, definitely, definitely going to ha- try to have these shows on YouTube or, uh, you know, our video uh, platforms as well in the future. I kind of, you know, kind of aired and not doing that with this first, these first two discussions, but, uh, you know, mainly for the fact that <laughs> I, I'm not, not that fond of editing audio. Uh, that's really these shows should have came out sooner than they have. If you, you know, if you ask any of the people who uh, you know recorded with me, they were they were like you know, they they probably tell you yeah we recorded these a little while ago. Not you know not too long ago, but it was a little you know weeks ago. I should say. <laughs> but uh, you know appreciate those guys for being patient. Ed me of course, uh, lovely Bill Johnson, and uh, appreciate. Uh, you for listening and uh, supporting. So uh, yeah, enjoy this final product. Hope you do, and uh, let us know what you think on social media, War Media at twi- on Twitter, uh, IG, and uh, on Facebook as well. So check us out and uh, keep following. And you know, this is part two of Fandemonium. Fan, our first fandomonia special. Enjoy.
uh, yeah, now we have, uh, as I told, as I uh, spoke before, we have my man Jack Silverstein on with us. That the Silverstein or Silverstein? I'll... Oh, that's that's kind of you. It is Stein. Stein, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. Stein. My 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 parents and my brother say Stein, but you know. Okay, I would have. Yeah, you know, I'll call. I'll call you what you want, man. I don't want to call you out your name, but, <laughs> but uh. Appreciate that, Kyle. Yeah, Jack. Jack's uh, joining me here. Uh, me and Mia. We've been talking about the Oscars and everything. And you know, Jack. Yeah. I think it, my reputation is known as a sports guy, uh, sports history in particular. But he also has a, a quite an interest in movie history and movie awards and everything. And so he's he's definitely. Uh, we we definitely spoke a, a lot about the Oscars the other day while they were on, and um, you put you put I, I, I know at the beginning of the evening you put up uh, a post that you had last year about how to fix the Oscars. So yeah. you know if, if you know before we go, we're going to go into to that and uh, our ideas and, and and thoughts on that on that in general. But you know if you want to just speak you know, right quick about what, what made you, you know, put that, put that post, that thread up on Twitter and, and what are your thoughts behind why the Oscars need so much fixing? <laughs> Cause you got a lot of yeah. ideas behind it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know exactly how I became an Oscar head, um, but have been since, since youth, um, I guess through my mother, and she and I would get, you know, hardcore about the show every year. And then as I got older and could actually watch more of the movies that were nominated, sure. you know, we would then like try to see every movie. And then if it was like, if I saw a movie and I thought it was whack, I would tell her, hey, don't worry about this and vice versa. Or say like, oh, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta go see this. You know, I know I've seen it, but you have to see it. Um, we would see, we would try to see a picture right before the show started so yeah. we would go at like 3 p.m or something to see like one last movie um and then and then uh <clears throat> and then and then go and watch the oscars which um which my father hated and not hated but he would he would just like you know he would call it a popularity contest and he would poo poo everything and we'd be like just like sit back and just it's not for you that's okay <laughs> and that kind of like that's kind of the dialogue that goes on now on Twitter yeah. is between like people who enjoy the show and want it to be good and people who just want to hop on just to smack talk it. And, but, but it does have issues. I mean, that's always been the case. I remember, I, I remember there was like the joke of what was going to be longer every year that the award show or the best picture winner, particularly like when Titanic, was up and yeah sure um and so i you know i don't know you watch something long enough and you enjoy it there are a number of things you go oh, i would tweet this i would tweet that i think i put that list up a couple of years ago or i started to do different versions of it because of all of the backlash online and I think I just kind of wanted to say, like, Oscar heads know that there's things that could be better, but, like, we care about it because we care about it. I don't know why you care about whether or not something you don't even like could be better. So I put that list up, 
and I've been kind of out of it with movies the last few years, which sucks, um, because with two young children, it is just, it's just hard to get to the movies. And then this past year with COVID, not only was that difficult, but then we, like, my daughter's old enough that we were, like, starting. Now she has opinions about, like, what she wants to watch. And so I watched more Disney this year than <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. And it's like, with a three-year-old, you're just as liable to have a day where she picks out, like, a good Disney movie as when she picks out, like, Cinderella 2, A, a Trail in Time or something, or, like, <laughs> Little, Air, like Little Mermaid 3, Back to the Sea, or, you know. Uh, and so you got all the, the original section of Disney Plus. You got that on lock. We had to. It was. <laughs> we weren't going to do it. We weren't going to do it. And then there was there was one day where it was like in April, and all of a sudden I had chills, and it was like, oh, this is it. I've got it. And um, and my wife was like, that's it. And I was like, that's it. We buckled down. We had like the Frozen mishap where like she like learned about Frozen in, in daycare, and then I looked on Amazon and it was like twenty dollars. I was like, "Hell with that!" And then like a day later, I was like, "Cue it up! I don't even care anymore!" And like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> it's uh yeah. So I've watched I've watched a lot of Disney in the past. Irony is that she has a soul doll somehow, and. I like we sat down. I was like, "We're gonna watch the movie. We're gonna watch Soul," and she like faded out, and I never got around to seeing it. So I only saw two movies this year, which is terrible. I saw uh, The Five Bloods, and I saw One Night in Miami, yeah. and I'm like, that stinks because like I don't have deep Oscar opinions film by film, right? But I still have enough backlog of history to have enough Oscar opinions about the show. Yeah, yeah, and and you had you you had enough knowledge to to definitely uh go back and forth about what did happen on the show this year. We you know we've gone over a lot of that, and you know, uh, that you know, it, like I say you take the good and the bad with these things. You know, if, if I, I you you make a good point, like if you care about it, you care about it. It seemed like it's it's just it's not very reasonable or it's just something that you do every year you know maybe it's a force of habit for some but you know but it's the sort of thing that i think for me i just like i i love film and i and yeah. i do love i do intend to see as many of the best films each year as i can so and and uh, you know i think you know all of us as journalists too who have you know we've worked within the world of journalism, I think that's sort of a of a, a yearning to keep record of things. Yes. So each year yes. you can say like, okay, you know, go back to this year. I knew what was the important films of that time, or what were the important projects, you know, the things that made, uh, you know, either won awards or, you know, culturally made an impact. So, right. you know, that, that sort of thing works in, I think with people like us as well. But uh, you know, we just got before we brought you in. We just we we went into Soul, and uh, you know, we both liked the film. Did you did you like Soul yourself? I, I, looks I like your daughter it. wasn't. Oh, you I didn't you didn't it. see it. I know, I know. I know. Um, I, okay, I, well, I, you, I, when you say you say 
You said you saw One Night in Miami, which was another film that we we were talking to about films that we thought were overlooked. One Night in Miami did get, I think, like three nominations, but yeah. they didn't get them in any of the real impact categories. And I think that you could definitely say they were overlooked in that way. Five Bloods, I said, was my over, most overlooked movie of the year. And, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know why potential. Uh, particularly because you know it was a Netflix film for one, and it seemed like Netflix got most of the nominations this year. Right. I guess that was a good and bad thing for Five Bloods because Five Bloods coming out when it did, it got a lot of buzz. But then by the fall, people were talking about Mank and Sh- Trial of Chicago Seven and stuff. And it, so it was like Who's ne- People who you know, like again, Hollywood loves Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Well, for sure, yeah, always. But but yeah, I get you, Jack, because because that was that was that were critics who were saying it was whack. So I'm like, yeah, why why is it getting all this love? If if you got critics who, I think Roper said it was whack. A couple other people, I said it was. It's like people, why is it getting all this love? Just because you know, I don't know. I you know, it's 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 what. Because it's the story of Orson Welles. Uh, excuse me. Because it's the story of um. Uh, sorry. Because it's the, story the, of the writer of uh, yeah. Yeah. Of uh, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Of Citizen Kane, right? I don't know. I don't. I didn't hear of anyone who saw Mank for any other reason than it was nominated and they had, had an obligation. Mm-hmm. People yeah. were watching the Broadway because <laughs> they were like, "This is a this is a dope movie. I believe this resonates." Yeah. 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 And, and we 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 spoke about that on Twitter too, Mia. It was like the whole ecosystem of hype was changed this year. It was upset this year because of COVID and stuff. Because you didn't get a you didn't have the regular uh, uh, festival schedule. You didn't have films being able to be released. You know, you may have films that were that could be released in maybe a couple hundred theaters, then they get some buzz, then they expand to a, a greater, you know, amount of theaters and stuff. That all those type of things didn't happen. It's just everything got plopped onto one of the streaming services and then it was up to certain writers or whatnot to to champion the uh champion the films or the streaming services themselves had to champion the film. And, you know, it, it the, the things just happen as they as they happen. It, 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 you know, Thankfully, they did expand the voting, uh, you know, the voting period because I think that was the only reason, probably, why Judas and the Black Messiah got involved because they expanded it into February. So, you know, it, it was just was a weird year overall. But yeah. you know, yeah. And another thing, how we were talking about, you know, like if it is something where it's like, you know, maybe it's not like super duper worth my time and your uh, attention is divided. I was also thinking about like okay well now we've got everything maybe it's a little bit easier because it's all on streaming or but now you're also competing with all those other movies as well that were gonna come out on streaming anyway and yeah those are getting even more of a big buzz like uh the kong versus godzilla <laughs> like <laughs> so much more buzz you know right. it's on hbo max you know compared to like a bank or you know any of those other smaller movies so it's like you know if i'm gonna watch something a i want to you know it's kind of it's part of the buzz 
Uh, but then it's also it's like there's just so much out there now on Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max and Disney Plus that it's like, you know, if you're saying something like this movie is, you know, not great, even if it's going to be nominated for an Oscar, it's like I can just go back and watch Congress is Godzilla. If you're a casual, you know, viewer, maybe not someone in our position, but, it, you know, that's just I think now the way it is, it's just there's so I mean, who, who wants to sit through Sound of Metal when Mortal Kombat is out, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that brings it. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that brings it to, you know, the whole other argument with, you know, like, should they go back to popular movies? Does it even matter? Right now, Son of, Son of Kong is trending, and I, I am curious to find out why later, but it was kind of a funny coincidence. <laughs> Let me ask ask you something. Yeah. Kyle and I were talking about this. I've never seen anything to back this up, but I've always suspected that part of the Oscars mission is to get dollars for movies that are otherwise not as popular. Mm. I've always wondered about that. So, oh, I see. Kind of. Yeah, the the the, the press, the so called prestige films, the art house films. Yeah. I don't know conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought of that before. Cause it you you want to think it's like oh, okay they're giving these because they're leaning more towards you know prestige film or capital C cinema stuff like that. Um, that is a right. good conspiracy. I've never thought I'm going to have to stew on that one a little bit. I mean, it, it, it could well, be. Well, I think, you know, I think there's, there's some okay. people who have made careers off of making movies like that. And you look yeah. at st- stuff that have become institutions like Merchant Ivory or Hidden States, you know, that, you know, the, 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 the Miramax and, you know, the, the God awful Weinsteins, you know, wound up running Hollywood in large part because they made movies that won awards and it it makes an impact when you are every year you're putting out projects that are being awarded Oscars and Golden Globes and all this stuff. It makes, it makes money and it makes it's money and, and, and power and influence that is involved with all that. I thought the nineties were interesting because because you mentioned you mentioned Miramax, I felt like the '90s had a good mix uh, of like like Mia, like you said, like the capital C cinema, but also movies that they always would put into like original screenplay and the supporting acting categories, and those movies would have a sort of like there was like a different there was like a different path of hype for the Oscars for those movies. Mm. So like you can get excited in the same year. I mean I think of a year, you know, Pulp Fiction is a, obviously a good example. But like Goodwill Hunting. You could get like excited about Goodwill Hunting in the same year that Titanic is going off. You could get excited about uh, they they sort of snubbed all my favorite movies in ninety nine. So that doesn't count. But um but I felt like there was like a cool mix of, of usual suspects would be another one. Okay, yeah. It was like Braveheart and whatever else. It's one of the eight sense and sensibilities that they've made and yeah. um or Pride and Prejudice. Like I thought there was like a cool mix of like like the indie love 
and like the prestige love kind of butting heads at the Oscars. And I don't know, do we see that anymore? I no, because every movie is e- every movie is either a comic, a big comic book movie, or it's uh, uh, like it's something utterly depressing that only a hundred thousand people stream on on Netflix. So it's either one or the other. There's no in between anymore. No. And I and I and I wonder if some of that talent also ends up writing all these great TV shows. Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that talent has gone on TV. And you look the the what are you talking about shows or miniseries? A lot of those projects probably twenty years ago would be made by Miramax or or something like that. You know? right. yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you've got this. It is. It's been astounding to me to see over the last couple of years. I would say to me, it was like I think it got kicked off like with the House of Cards and Orange is the New Black era mm, when Netflix yeah. kept it up. Mm. Uh, you could say like HBO, maybe Showtime, you know, like every now and then like The Wire or some shows like that were kind of, but I feel like especially when streaming came into it, it was like, okay, now we've got these serious contenders, like even The Mandalorian. I, you know, I, I, I thought it was going to be low budget. I was like, ah, you know, I like Star Wars, but even that, that got nominated for an Emmy. So yeah, you are, you've got a good point about like, okay, we've got this talent. It's kind of split now because you can't have a great career as a writer in television. You know, you don't have to be like, I'm just writing sitcoms or, you know, it's what it is. No, I think, I think that's a good call with, um, uh, with house of cards. Mm -hmm. That did feel like a break where that, because that was very cinematic. Yeah. And right down, right down to, I don't remember how many episodes Fincher did, but was he like executive producer of the first season? I mean, his mark was on that. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. And and then to have Kevin Spacey and Rob Wright. Um, yeah, you have you have movie stars leading a lot of these shows now. It, it yeah, again, twenty thirty years ago, you were either a movie star or a TV star. Now you got. Is, there's no TV star had a stigma sometimes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember which one. I don't remember whose line it was. But Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, one of the years when they hosted the Golden Globes, said they they opened it by saying, "Welcome to the Golden Globes, where the beautiful people of Hollywood rub elbows with the rat-faced people of Hollywood." <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> right. And, and I thought I thought of that Sunday night because. The line, there's no line anymore. No, that line is gone. And like ninety percent, I feel like ninety percent of the people we saw Sunday night with a camera on them were not famous in like a traditional way. They weren't like famous beyond the movie that they had just made. Mm. Ordinarily, and this was something that sort of surprised me because I don't, I don't know that I would have articulated this before as something that I really care about because like. We would rock. We would watch the red carpet, but I don't, I don't care about fashion. So that wasn't that wasn't really it for me. You know, we we liked watching like some of Barbara Walters' interviews, but I realized while I was watching Sunday Night that I I missed the crowd. I missed like the cutaways to right. like yeah. the stars. Well, well, Jack, you mentioned and and yeah. this was something that you also mentioned that you missed in sports too, like crowds. And stuff, yeah, but but you also true. mentioned that you miss spectacle, and I want I want you to sort of expound on that a little bit. Like, 
in, in, in regards to, you know, in sports, it's kind of obvious what spectacle is, but with the Oscars, what was, is it, is it like the big musical performances? Is it like the, the Billy Crystal, like, uh, extended openings that he had back in the day? Is, it, is that what you talk about? We talk about spectacle or is it other stuff? It's, yeah, it's the whole thing. And I've actually been someone who's been like, I'm not like the best song performance. That's an area where I think you can trim. I mean, because that's like always the debate is like, how do you make the Oscars better and better often means shorter? Yeah, right. And I've always felt like, I've always felt like, you know what, the best song is that's maybe an area where you can cut back. It's funny, now that I've seen all these Disney movies, I realize that the past few years, there were like these songs that now I really enjoy. Um, like Moana is my favorite movie of the year, except it came out five years ago. So that doesn't, but like, that's the best movie that I, that I saw this year. And I went back onto YouTube and she came out and she was like 17 or 18 or something, or 16 maybe, she's too young. And she came out and crushed it um, mm. on that stage. I don't know, there's just something grand and yeah, the, 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 the spectacle, the opulence. This felt like, I said, I tweeted this, this felt like the Golden Globes without booze and jokes. And <laughs> it even turned out that the debut thing was scripted. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, it, it, of course it was. You know, you know what, though? When she was like, no one has something on the tip of their tongue. And then what comes out is like the entire name of the group. <laughs> and like that was a little, she was like shout out to Sugar Bear I was like all right I'm close yeah I think that speaks I think that speaks to the writing and to and, and interestingly enough you know, Glenn Close becomes like she suddenly I think she became like the losingest actress in in Oscars history but she gave a pretty good performance in that in that segment there it's her and Peter O'Toole <laughs> she did it's her and Peter O'Toole. I was reminded of one of Ellen's, Ellen's best lines when she hosted the year that Peter O'Toole was up for, I think, his final award. And she said something like, Peter O'Toole nominated for the eighth time tonight without a win. And everyone applauded. And she goes, well, Peter, you know what they say, third time's the charm. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. All right. How, 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 much, how, much, how much did you miss? Because I'm, I'm going to reel off uh, – your post that you did from 2020 on how to fix the Oscars. But uh, early on, early in your list, you have a host rotation and you have comics, uh, um, you know, some of the elite comics who've done it among them. But uh, how much did you miss? How much did you miss having one of those comics? Yeah. Billy Crystal, Ellen DeGeneres, Chris Rock, Jimmy Kimmel, Dave Chappelle and Faye and Polar in, in your rotation. But how much, how much did you miss having right, one of those or anyone else host the show? Uh, you know, I, I think it would have helped, but I think that the the show on Sunday changed so many variables that I feel like you could pick any number of them, and I think it would have been a little bit better. I, I just I just thought it was I just felt like a lot of it was too small. I, I don't like any time when they decide to remove the the clips for the acting awards. Mm. Um, and I would, I would stick to that. I would do, um, I would limit the skits after the monologue. If it's like not a hundred percent, like 
cut it. Um, I would increase the number of acting awards to better fit the, like what acting looks like now, like, you know, best voice acting, Mm. you know? And I mean, the awards have always changed throughout the year. So I would do something like that. I mean, you know, like the best voice acting, I think like a cool category would be best actor in a limited role. So different than a supporting role, like someone who comes in and like crushes like one scene. Mm. Um, you know, there was that suggestion a couple of years ago that they were going to get rid of cinematography. They were going to like move cinematography and editing or something over to the, to the, uh, the technical night, which I thought was a terrible idea. One thing that I thought of today that I hadn't tweeted yet was, and this is my most controversial idea. I would get rid of, at this point, I would get rid of speeches. Wow. Really? And I would have the winner come up, accept the award, and then go backstage into a little booth for a streaming only, or like a web only speech. And then you go and you do your little, that little press conference that they do in the back there. Because speeches are so hit and miss. And like, I can remember a number of really memorable moving speeches and I can remember, and I don't remember them because there's nothing memorable about them, but then there's like, that's only like two or three speeches a night. And then like more speeches are just like people thanking like everyone who worked in the movie and their freaking like agency and management. And, yeah. and then it's always weird when people get played off. And that yeah. sucks. It's just like, watch that, and you're like, this is a bummer. And that's something um, that they actually didn't do this year. They didn't play people up. Yeah, that was good. But that, it's just like a lot of talk. Yeah. <laughs> and here's, and, okay, so from a, from a perspective of a producer, and one of the things I read, Kyle, one of those stories I sent you that was like, you know, Disney is now going to take a bath because the because they've got the, the Oscars until, what, like 2026? And the ratings were an all-time low, breaking last year's record of an all-time low, which means they're going to be able, they, they won't be able to bring in the ad dollars they have, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, all right, so here's the elephant in the room. The, the, the right-wingers are all like, yeah, screw the Oscars, and you're all woke, man. It's like, whatever, screw off. Like, you're not watching the Oscars anyways. Right. But I had someone in my mentions who was like, I don't want the Oscars. They shouldn't have the Oscars. And I was like, like, this year? Like, ever. He was like, ever. Because I'm tired of hearing all these Hollywood people and all this. And I, like, checked his bio, and he's like a lefty, like, liberal, all... And I was kind of like, all right, that's really interesting. And like, there's this stigma now that the far right, you know, whatever, there's, they're who they are. But like, like the political left, especially people who I think are younger, are kind of fed up with Hollywood too. I can see that, yeah. I had last year, um, someone, someone had made, someone did a study of like who's been thanked the most in speeches. And I think Harvey Weinstein was thanked the second most after God or something like that, or Steven Spielberg or one of them. And they put together this compilation of Harvey Weinstein, everyone thanking Harvey Weinstein. And I tweeted it and I, and I was saying like, you know, we're always getting in and they're, 
that they're calling out the ills of other industries. I would love for just once for someone to win an award and call out the ills in the filmmaking industry. Right. And of course, like all these like right wing nuttos like picked up this tweet and they were like, yeah, right on. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm not with you. No, I'm just, I'm just against rape. Like I'm not like, we're not, this isn't happening here. But I wonder how, I wonder from a viewership standpoint, how many people who would otherwise be down are thinking like, oh, they don't go far enough. And there's like yeah. all these other problems and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear your speeches when the world is crumbling. And I, you know, I'm a little older. I, I think even as much as I read, I think I forget how, how oppressive life seems if you were like 20 years younger than me because you came up like with 9-11, endless wars, you know, elections where a winner didn't win yeah. twice and you can't get a job and you got older people telling you you can't get a job because you're lazy and all this stuff and you're kind of like, why don't I want to watch the Oscars? Which I did. Yeah. So, and, 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 the, and let me just jump right quick. I think for a lot of people to a lot of young brothers and sisters that could look at stuff like this and see they could, on one side, they could be reveling and be like, oh, it's black excellence and all this stuff. But at the same time, we still got George Floyd going on. We still got, you know, these brothers and sisters getting killed by murdered by the police out here. And it's like, okay, why am I, why do I need to applaud this stuff when it's not really affecting, again, the real world? So, and you that know. That was a huge piece of Chris Rock's monologue in 2016, which seems like a lifetime ago, but he dedicated hmm. a huge piece of that monologue to that might have been the first year of Oscar so white um maybe maybe not but he dedicated a huge piece of his monologue to um uh, uh, police violence uh against black people and and then the the absence of of black artists being nominated yeah I think I'm, I remember five, that that yeah. was five that was five years ago yeah yeah I mean if you were or six years ago if you were 15 when that happened you're 21. Yeah, it's uh, the whole, like you say, a rapid fire of coming of age. Like, you know, it, it, if I think back to so in between my years, you know, 15 and 21, you know, there, there was a lot less that happened and racially. There was a couple of touchstones like Columbine and, of course, 9-11. But those were things that there was still yeah. there was still a distancing of that it didn't hit you right. it didn't hit you as a black person at your core like oh, so many of these things have done since going back to Trayvon Martin like you know it's it's a whole different yeah. thing for a lot of for kids who come of age in the past 10 years it, I, I, I feel you on that yeah but okay, I, so I, 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 I so why do we still like the opposite why do we still like the Oscars then? Why are we doing that? <laughs> um, on a Tuesday night? No, I'm serious. I think we're just we're just old enough to be of to to wrap to be wrapped up in still care. Yeah, to in pop culture stuff like like we were we came about in a certain way to where you know you we could we could see through the see through it, but we also are just like. You know, yeah, this is the time of the year where we care about this shit. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. it's, yeah it's interesting for me because I'm kind of like on this 
because where it was like Trayvon Martin happened when I was in high school and Ferguson happened when I was I was like studying in Missouri, so that was super relevant. Oh yeah, you were a bit younger than um, us, Mia. Yeah, I should I should I shouldn't include yeah. you with me and Jack. So, yeah, I'm like kind of in this cuffs where it's like in a way I grew up really kind of enamored with Hollywood and I was like, Wow, I would love to be, you know, attending the Oscars or reporting on the Oscars and so mm. I think part of me still has that if you want to call it Hollywood nostalgia or this kind of like deep rooted love. And like you said, we all love film. We all kind of love the, the whole thing that just goes with it. Um, but yeah, as Jack was saying with the, um, being the out of touch, it reminded me of right at the beginning of this pandemic when it was Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot and all of her celebrity friends singing Imagine. And they were in their, their LA beach houses and the pool and like Ellen was quarantining in her huge mansion. And we're sitting here like we're out of a job or, you know, we can't go to school right now or we don't know if we're sick or not, if we're healthy. Um, so that I think that a part of it kind of demonstrated this sense of being out of touch. Um, and then I also think either like around my age and people younger now, as we're talking about having this whole variety and everybody's got a little bit of something. Uh, it's not just anymore. It's not just Hollywood stars. Back when it was just what ABC, NBC, and CBS, that's pretty much all you watched or whatever came to theater. And you watched it like five times because you had nothing else to watch. <laughs> mm. Again, it's like now we've got Netflix stars and Hulu stars. We've got stars on YouTube. We've got stars on Instagram and TikTok. I haven't even downloaded TikTok, yeah. but I, you I got TikTok. Yeah, tick, I was about to say you got TikTok <laughs> stars. Who uh, uh, so, most kids would probably uh, be more excited to see them than uh, Glenn Close exactly. or somebody. You know? So it's like you know these celebrities, and I think that's what it's kind of the celebrities are rallying point. I used to watch for certain celebrities certain movies that we would see, but if the audience now is so dispersed that they're watching all sorts of things, they're watching prank videos and pod- podcasts like these. You know, there's so much you know to decentralize people that it, it is to me kind of hard to be like, well, I like it because of the the whole legacy that it carries. But again, for me personally, I'm also feeling like, well, you know, there's people on YouTube who I think are so very talented, but they're never going to get a chance like this. So my attention is kind of split between, yes, I like the Oscars, but I also like the new media that we've moved into as well. Right. All right. So what would you do to fix the Oscars. You're in charge. You're in charge for 2022. And and let's start at the root cause. What are what is like the root cause? What are the root cause problems that the Oscars face? Because we saw the numbers that, you know, the Golden Globes are down or the Grammys are down and all these award shows are down. And like you said, people are watching their the the the, the the need that they tapped through movies is now being tapped by other media because yeah. of the way that TV is now cinematic. And um, all right, so what would you do, Mia? Yeah, I'm. I was thinking this over, and in a way, the, my biggest patch would be is like, hey, you want to get people to care? How are they going to care? It's because, you know, either they really, really care about the movies that are nominated, they really care about the actors that are nominated. Um, So to me, the root problem would, a root patch would maybe be to just 
go back out and kind of expand the breadth of work that they are nominating. And I think it could include, you know, having these broader categories as well. So voice actors, CGI, um, and these other things, but no, it's kind of like sports so baseball, football, basketball have like very rarely changed because you're always showing up to see the home team. You support them. Um, so you want to have something where it's like, okay, well, like Black Panther, when they nominated Black Panther, like, yeah, I'm going to watch because I want to support Black Panther. Um, you know, if it is Mank or some of these other things, it's like, well, if I didn't see it or if I didn't, if I, you know, if I'm someone my age, I don't really care about a Francis McDormand. I'm like, I'm not going to be so tuned in. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily so much programming for me. I think it's more so the nominees and maybe backtracking and, and bring in something that everybody can rally around. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle? Um, you know, I, I like, I like that idea that you actually just threw out about, cause it, when you first said it about not having, um, uh, speeches, it was, it was like, okay, man. but the way that you said do it, was interesting to me, intriguing to me, because the way that a lot of us do take in media, me and Mia were speaking to this before you came on, we do have so many, so many of us watch the Oscars, it's essential that we watch the Oscars now with a phone on, you know, with live tweeting on Twitter. So it would make a lot of sense to actually, and this is a com- combination with the, uh, you know, the criticism that you no know, you had and a lot of others had about not showing those clips and stuff of the movies, like you could give out an award and actually show an excerpt of the movie of that winning performance or winning, you know, uh, even if it's cinematography. So you could show something that's uh, about the the a shot of the movie that was particularly interesting or something award-winning word award worthy or something and you know while you do that that transitions the show from that award to another award and in the meanwhile yeah the, the winners actually go in the back like you say give their speeches to a streaming you know in abc or whoever the oscars could stream it and it could go straight on to twitter straight on to youtube or something because the diehards are going to be into that and the diehards are going to have access to that. So yeah, that would be a way to allow that second, uh, uh, adds value to that second screen viewing that so many of us do. But if you are more of a traditional viewer who just wants to, you know, see the show and be entertained and you're just watching the TV, you could be like, well, you know, you get, you're getting more, of the performance aspect of things and not so much of the, uh, you know, the, the, the trumped up hero worship of these actors and actresses or the, or the, uh, the, the grandstanding that can often be done when, uh, you know, you, you have these award, uh, speeches and, and, and they go off and God knows where, you know, whatever direction, you know? Yeah. I think you would also, yeah, I agree. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know how many people who are, I don't know how many people who are right wing, I don't know, what's the right way to say this now? <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many people who are over there, um, yeah. I can watch the Oscars regardless, but like, 
I, you know, one of the really interesting, like, let's root for that movie moments that didn't really materialize at the Oscars, I feel like, but it kind of did, was, and it was, I thought, a really gross um, movie, but it was American Sniper. Remember when American mm, Sniper yeah. came out and yeah. it set at like some weird record for like highest box office for a Wednesday in November or something like that? It yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It came out, yeah. it came out and it did crazy numbers. And like what was what I didn't like about it was not I mean, it was well made and it was well acted and but it was like this is like gross. Like, why are we making a movie about this guy? Like, exactly. This is, yeah. But, but, but that movie found an audience. Say whatever you want. That was also the moment where we should have known Trump was going to win. I mean, this was like 2013, but like that movie found an audience. And I wonder just putting on my producer hat and trying to strip everything else out of my head, just trying to put on my producer hat, that movie I wonder how many people who loved that movie also watched the Oscars because that movie was up for picture. I think Clint was up for director, but Bradley Cooper was up for lead actor. Yeah. Um, probably screenplay, probably some technical ones. I think it got a, I feel like it got a number of awards. And I wonder if there are those little pockets where, like you said, Mia, I do think it always starts with the nominees. It starts with, do you feel like there are certain movies that either a you saw and you're just curious to see what ends up being deemed the best or b that you saw and you're personally invested i mean i remember like google hunting was the one for for us where i remember i got dragged to that movie i didn't want to see it i thought it was going to be whack and i was like this shit is so amazing <laughs> and and i remember like my mother and i like robin williams and the two guys as screenwriters and we were like we're rooting for them and there will be different ones like that every year we kind of say like who are we rooting for and we'll say i'm rooting for this actor i'm rooting for this writer you know when when you know when when uh when ruth carter won for costume design oh, yeah. black panther after the whole career that she had had um that was a really that was a really cool moment i wouldn't want to strip her of her moment um but that was that was that was cool to me and it does, I think, start with the nominees. And that's why, Kyle, we were talking about the buzz and how there needs to be, I think, specifically now, and I feel like this started with The Dark Knight. Because Dark Knight was the first time where people were, like, outraged that a movie wasn't nominated, mm -hmm. um, not because it wasn't a, quote, Oscar movie, not like this is an Oscar movie and it wasn't nominated. Like when they had like the problem with like Hoop Dreams and Crumb with the documentary category when that was screwed up or the, I mean, do the right thing in 25th hour to my pressure points. But, sure. um, but like the dark Knight was the first movie that was like, all right, we acknowledge that this isn't quote unquote an Oscar movie, but if this isn't an Oscar movie, then you need to change like you, the Academy, because yeah. if you're going to, if you're going to say what is and what isn't great art, I mean, here's this movie that everybody wanted to go see and it's being written about as being quote, more than a comic movie. You're nominating it for supporting actor. It probably had, I'm sure it had some other technical sound and 
you know, sound effects editing. Well, and, and we 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 may mention that we may mention it that earlier. You know, Heath Ledger getting best supporting that year. It sort of mirrors the campaigning and the the momentum that got around Chadwick this year. You know, with it wow. being a final performance that you right. know that a, that a, a departed actor has left us with. Yeah, I asked, I asked my mom about that, um, and I said she was. I was like, "Is Chadwick gonna win?" Because she'd seen she'd seen the movie, and she said, "Yeah." And I said, "Would I said, and how how would he do if he were still alive?" And she was like, "He would still win." And I was like, "Okay, there you go. That's all that needs to be said." Mm. And me, I know that that's. I mean, you wrote a book on the man, so you know much better than <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, but I do think that there needs to be a greater effort to expand the concept of yeah. where the, the art is and where the craft is in filmmaking. Um, because I'm, I'm famously not a dark Knight guy. I was like so <laughs> oh, excited no. for it. And then I thought, I thought it flopped in a lot of ways. And yet I find it really compelling, even though I don't really like it. I think the script terrible. I think a lot of the direction is bad, but I would weirdly still nominate it for Best Director, and also I would have nominated it for for Best Picture. I think that was the last year they had the five. Yeah, movies. I think the next year was when they expanded it. I believe so. Yeah, um, and and that's the thing. Like when you talk about it, you know, we we're gonna we're gonna ride out because I think we've already I've kept me like a half hour longer than I told it was gonna be. But no, we, we yeah, it's been a great conversation. But I think when it comes down to it, like you say, Jack, there has to be more of an effort by the academy, you know, as a as a institution and as voters, as individuals, I think, to meet the general public on what what we consider and we what we lift up as you know, the momentous movies of each year, the momentous works of each year. Like you say, in 2008, the most important movie in the, in the world, in America, was The Dark Knight. And it was, it, it was, it was in large part because it made a billion dollars, but it was also because so many people liked the movie. And as, if you can't award or at least, you know, put... Uh, uh, put that movie in the position to be awarded, uh, then something's wrong with your process and what you what and what you're considering to be great, what you're what you're willing to hold up, what you're valuing. So you know there have been some advances that have happened since then. We've you know we've had movies like Dark uh, uh, Black Panther, like I said, that sort of had a similar phenomenon that develops a similar phenomenon years later and wound up getting best picture uh nomination. It could have could got some more nominations. But you know, and and, and you look funny enough at, at Joaquin Phoenix sometime later getting a best actor nomination for playing Joker, you know, which, you know, would it would have been there's no way that would have happened in two thousand eight. But in twenty twenty it happened. So it's like, you know, there are some advances that have come in along those lines, but there's still a lot that can be done by the Academy to get off of that whole Oscar movie, uh, you know, island that it's on, that it puts itself on. And, you know, it, they, it has to meet the people. It has to make more effort to meet the people or else it's going to be that that show's going to be getting 10 million viewers again for years to come. And, 
And ABC's not going to like that. The Academy's not going to like that. And they're going to lose a lot of money and, and prestige for that award show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think there has, like you said, there, you have to meet the, the audiences where they are. And I don't think that means you have to nominate a movie that you think is whack but popular or like right. it's not like artful. But yeah. I think it does mean that you have to adjust your definition of what craft is and what great movie making is. And, you know, I mean, I had that on the list. I would have given Robert Downey Jr. a Lifetime Achievement Award <laughs> last year. And you bet your ass people would have tuned in to see that. So I know I'm going to break my no speeches rule, but people would have tuned in to see that speech. <laughs> and the fact that he could be the, the, the heart of this incredible phenomenon of, you know, a decade's worth of filmmaking that's that's, that's good that's good that's good narrative there and that's that's something that you can control see what we had this year was that they were trying to develop a narrative that it couldn't control by awarding chadwick at the end of the that's show true. but that's a narrative yeah, that you can't control that the Oscars aren't rigged, that was, yeah you know like that was but something like you say, though, right there, that that's developing a narrative that you can control within the the producing of your show. Like you, you you're you're awarding a star who everybody acknowledges is a star, one of the few that's left in Hollywood. And that's that's I'm gonna get to that in a second about what makes a star in Hollywood nowadays. But Robert Downey Jr. is a star, and you would award him at like after 10 years of playing this character that is going to come to define his career, Tony Stark and 10 years of this, this franchise that has completely changed Hollywood and, you know, for better or worse, some would say, you know, there's different people who put along those spectrums, you know, but, you know, but when it comes to what, what people think of Hollywood nowadays and movies, Marvel is one of the first thing, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one of the first thing to come to mind. So in some ways you gotta exploit that. If you're talking about developing a show and you wanna develop a show that people wanna watch, you gotta develop that. But you also, again, it's meeting the general public halfway and saying that, yeah, we we do value this stuff too, not just because it makes money, but because it, it these movies and these performances like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, they do add something to uh, the history of cinema. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and most of the stars in Marvel movies, a high percentage of stars in Marvel movies have been nominated for Oscars. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's only, I mean, listen, we just, we just, uh, the, um, uh, Chloe Zhao, is that how you pronounce her last name? Yeah, she. Win Best Director, she's, she's going to direct The Eternals. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not as if there's like a separate group of like mm-hmm. non-serious Oscar people, yeah. like of Marvel people <laughs> and then like serious Oscar people. Right. I and mean, when you think about straight from, straight from Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. had, had at that point, one nomination under his belt for Chaplin. Terrence Howard had a nomination under his belt. Gwyneth Paltrow had a win. And Jeff Bridges had a few nominations at that point. He didn't yet have a win. Well, you know, I think but I think Robert Downey. I, I think Robert Downey actually had the Tropic Thunder. Did he have the Tropic Thunder? 
nomination by then? Oh, the same year. Okay, so same year. Okay. Does the Academy come to truly embrace all of that work? Right. And, and embrace it in all in all categories. Because I think the Oscars have a representation problem, but I think sometimes sometimes that's a result of Hollywood having a representation problem. And so Definitely. The, Definitely. so you know, the the Academy is dominating the, the work that exists. And so it has to start with what exists and what's being made, what's being greenlit. Um, and I don't know. I mean, that gets into a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's, those are some deeper, some deeper conversations <laughs> that, that, uh, that, you know, you can have with that. But I, I'll just say it in general, I think, you know, because there is sort of a thing where uh, you can't risk alienating a certain segment of America when you embrace diversity and embrace in particular black thoughts and ideas that thought leaders or thought, you know, creators, I should say. And, um, you know, to that, I say, whatever, (laughs) you know, know, I don't care if it, if it does alienate, but, you know, let's keep it going. But at the same time, there is that reality that, you know, 70 million people voted for Trump and, they sort of say a lot with with their votes and the way that they they move about they move about and and who they throw their support behind. So yeah, there is that alienation that when we when we, when we talk about uh, keeping up the popularity of a of a general uh, uh, you know event like the Oscars of a mainstream event like the Oscars, you know they can. Uh, you know, say risk alienating a lot of people by embracing black people or embracing people of color, but uh, you know that's in the end you just gotta you know shake those people off. I think and and go it's forward. Years of that, so. yeah. You know <laughs> they've been they've been heard. They've had their time yeah. to be heard. So you know let's let's formulate this this new reality of that where again as many people as possible get to get to create first off and they get the chance to be recognized. And then, uh, you know, it, it may not be the same numbers as before, but I think if, again, if you, if you hold, you know, if you hold fast to those ideals and uh, enough people, enough people will recognize what you're doing down the line and they'll, uh, you know, Hopefully they'll bring back some of the pageantry and the emotion of pre- of previous years and previous generations. Right. If you do, if you do these things well, right, sir, you know. But I think that the Oscars, I think the Academy, and I think a lot of other, like you said, mainstream institutions are going to have to really reevaluate what is essential to the whatever it is to the to the thing that they're that they produce what's essential and what is what has been happening out of habit yeah. what has been happening out of a tradition that and, and to what degree do people still use the tradition you know what do we want to keep what do we want to leave and like like the oscar ratings have been dropping for a decade so it's not just yeah but now there's an opportunity where i think people in their lives now are seeing so many things have gotten blown up that they're like, well, I'm not going, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this again. Like I'm done doing this. Like I, you know, 
I'm not going to whatever it is. I'm not going to the office. Or I saw someone tweet, like, I'll never go to the airport without a mask again. Like, I don't care what happens. And, like, I think the academy is just going to have to really recalibrate and look, like, at a foundational level. What is it that people really love about this? And how can we pour that into, uh, you know, 21st century container in a way right. that is going to resonate with people? There's got to be an economic consideration there. Um, but... I, like me, like you said, I mean, it all starts with the nominees. Like it's got, it, it has to start there. It's got to start with, uh, with like a, with a, a movie community that has people excited about film and filmmaking. Uh, otherwise, it is just the Golden Globes, or it is just, you know, BAFTAs or that. Right. Award. Like there's like eight yeah. movie awards. And it's yeah. like, the, the Screen Actors Guild or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What is it we love about the Oscars and we want that to continue? And what can we cut loose of? Yeah. And again, it's, it's about being a moment of record, a moment of uh, of truly representing what what is on, you know, what we all, what so many of us, what a majority of us love and value at a particular point. So hopefully... It'll get it'll get to that, and uh, and but it's not going to get to that if it doesn't recognize, oh, as wide a swath of our society as possible. So, but we're we gonna leave it at that, man. I, I love to talk more with you guys. You guys were great, man. Mia Johnson, fansided, uh, com, and Jack Rejack everywhere, man. Uh, just go give the audience, you know, where they can find you and your work and read read you or listen or listen to you or whatever right quick uh, yeah i'll go first yeah you can find me on twitter at mia j media i'm there a lot i am actually i edit a star wars site with fan cited now so dork side of the force if you love star wars i write that that 24 7 and um we talked about before uh, my book is still out chat with bozeman Trevor king out there on Amazon, you can find that Target, almost anywhere where uh, books are sold. Yeah, chat. So, but I'm following right now, man. Awesome. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. What? Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Rejack. Um, a few other places, but you know, I'm always talking sports, but also talking movies, talking Oscars. Definitely, definitely. Same here. I talk about a little bit of whatever at, at any moment of time. I tweet randomly, so if you don't see me tweet for a while, just stay with me. You know, I think I lose a lot of followers that way. But anyway, I'm on Twitter right now. I'm, I just changed my name recently to Means Matters on Twitter. So yeah, so follow that Means Matters, and uh, yeah, just uh, keep rocking with uh, We Are Regal Radio, uh, War Media, WeAreRegalRadio.com. Uh, War Ready um, Substack. Uh, we have a Substack now, and uh, also, uh, of course, uh, YouTube uh, and uh, uh, Anchor.fm slash uh, War Media. So, uh, yeah, you'll be able to hear. Of course, if you listen to this podcast, you uh, listen to it on your favorite uh, podcast platforms. Uh, all of you know, on all the major ones. So, uh, just follow us however you like. And uh, keep rocking with right back. In the meantime, uh, yeah, enjoy yourselves and keep, keep, keep taking care of yourselves and take care of others. 
out there. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see y'all at the movies again soon, man. I want to I want to get back to the movies again real soon. Is is there anything right quick that that you can see yourself going to the movies for in the near future? Oh, Black Widow. <laughs> I have okay. to see. I've been waiting for that movie forever. Okay. What about you, Jack? Not, not that I can project. So. He's got kids. So. Yeah, you do. Got kids. <laughs> you got. That's a whole other thing, though. Yeah. Yeah. When our uh, right, right before our daughter was born was when we got into MCU every Saturday night watching the movie. And then um, and then whenever they announced when Black Panther was going to be out, we were like, all right, that's the first night that if we haven't had a babysitter yet, that's the night that we'll, we'll get a babysitter and we'll go do that. And so I've, I've seen very few movies in the theaters. You know, I've streamed some of them, but there's no there's nothing that's coming out that I know of. Well, by the time Panther 2 comes out, maybe you'll be able to take the babies <laughs> on a night out. Definitely, definitely. I'm with you, man. I, I, Black Widow may be the one for me too. If not, I'm, I'm trying to think of any others, but, but probably before that. No, I don't think so. But we'll, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see y'all all all AMC the theaters. It's been a while. For the past year, the roads have been a little empty, but we're starting to see the promise of a new day. Yo. I'm Vin Diesel. For more than a hundred years, there's one place where we all came together to be entertained. The movies. There's nothing like it. The popcorn, the previews, the pretzels. And don't forget, the movies. I'm talking the tickets, the butter. It's really amazing. Ah, we've been home for too long. It's time we get back to the carpets, the cup holders, the armrests, the napkins. When the movie's not loud enough, when the movie's a little too loud. I guess you could say there's something for everybody, only at the movies. It's interesting because in other, uh, another discussion I had recently with uh, Mia Johnson and, uh, and and Jack Silverstein, we were talking about the Oscars and improving the Oscars and everything. And, and part of that, what we talked about was having more popular movies involved in these award shows. So if Marvel gets into a thing where they can actually, you know, be a, a, a consistent presence at these awards, I think that's something the Academy should want and encourage, yeah. you know, because it'll get them some better ratings again with these shows because what they was doing this year didn't cut it. <laughs> yeah, we'll record. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel 2 is another one that I'm interested in because... Yeah. I was very upset about how they did Captain Marvel 1, 
and how boring they made Captain Marvel. And they didn't let Brie Larson be interesting. I think she had the potential to be a great Captain Marvel. I just didn't see it. So Captain Marvel 2 had the potential to be like what Captain America Winter Soldier was for the Captain America franchise. Mm. It needs to be the one everyone's like, oh, now, okay, this is the this is the flagship staple. This is a great, you know, ensemble type of thing. Right. And with Monica Rambeau being in there and Kamala Khan, there's yeah. potential, but they got to deliver and they got to let Brie Larson be Brie Larson and be Captain Marvel. They got close to it in Endgame. I want to see a real Captain Marvel. Because if you read the comics, she has some great intergalactic adventures. She does. She's really the Captain America from space. And I think it could be really cool. She got. Yeah, she got to be badass. She got to be badass. Brie Larson kind of threw her weight around too, going into Captain, uh, going into Captain, uh, Captain Marvel too, or the Marvels. I, I thought I read that she was kind of like, you know, saying she wanted to be a little bit more hands on with it. Okay. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's that's so, that's look, to your point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the same way that a lot of us do. Yeah. Because yeah. I was watching Captain Marvel like, yo, I didn't yeah. cast her. You didn't let her do anything. You mm. didn't give her a personality. Took, it took time and it took that that series, you know, that time in that series to flesh it out. One project, though, because uh, I want to get to the TV shows right quick, but uh, going back to the movies, one, mo- one movie that I kind of overlooked when I was reeling them off was Spider-Man. So that's going to be out at the end of the year this year. And again, it's like they're just reeling them off here at the end of the year, but it's going to be interesting to see how the story develops in this and how apparently that story may be mixing into the uh, Doctor Strange storyline and stuff. So, you know, yeah. So, and and with that said, like, they they asked Andrew Garfield this week about him being in the movie, and he see, well, we mentioned uh, the way that uh, Michael B. Jordan's playing it off. It seemed Garfield was more, he was more like, you know, they ain't hit me up or nothing, you know. know, Do you think he's sending us off, or do you think that, you know, I, I would. I don't know. What do y'all think about that? You know what? Honestly, uh, and this is part of what I want to jump in about that. I think he could be sending people off for the fact that with Spider-Man three now coming before Doctor Strange two, is Doctor Strange two gonna be when all three of these Spider-Man actually link up in the same thing? Now, mm. granted, wow. so before they said it's supposed to be uh, the first like type of horror movie is supposed to be doing in the Marvel universe, yeah. but with everything changing the way it has now, what if uh, only Toby and the current Spider-Man we have now pop up in that one? Maybe Andrew pops up in Doctor Strange too, and now that's when it turns into all of this. And that's <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Directing Doctor Strange too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There it is. Wow. wow. That's a good one. That's a good one, Melvin. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about it. They could just be either. holding off on. It. Yeah, they could be holding yeah, off. He's on. like, yeah, so they might hit me up for Spider-Man three. But y'all didn't ask me nothing about that. <laughs> but see, at the same time, the same way I'm thinking ahead about that. Also, uh, I'm like the only person looking forward to 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania because I think that's what's going to blow the whole thing open in terms of the X-Men. And that, that's probably going to introduce Kane the Conqueror with uh, Jonathan Majors. Yeah, that's what, yeah. 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 I like the, like the Ant-Man franchise. I, I like those two movies. It was, yeah, it was, it was, they've been fun movies. It shocked me. Yeah, it shocked me the first one. I'm like, oh, man, this was actually really good. And the second one was like, oh, you drop it off like that? All right, I feel you. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for Quantum Mania 2. That's what I think. Listen, man, they do their thing. Kevin Feige, man, is the greatest producer of all time. Right? But He's it, on that. Let He's me, in that let me throw. Let me throw this last bit in about Doctor Strange 2 and where I think Andrew Garfield could be going with this Spider-Man. Because when we last look at it, I'm not saying that Electro was a good guy, but maybe at some point in time, through this new version of him we get in this universe, he's like, you know what? An anti-hero of some sort. What's the last thing that we really see Andrew Garfield Spider-Man go through? Old girl dies in the movie. Mm. Now, some other alternate universe, maybe this ends up turning him evil into that whole horror story thing that we're going into with Doctor Strange. I could be way off base. So you think we I might get an evil Spider-Man? That could be wild. That could be wild. Spider-Man and Spider-Man in the middle where out of all three of them, I think Andrew has that range to be able to play. You know what? No, I can really take it this way. He would be the one to pick because when when we saw Toby go dark in the, the, that didn't work. (laughs) Are we doing musicals and whatnot? Yeah. Man, I'm scared. I'm scared of this next Spider-Man. Like I said, there's multiverse stuff. You can easily do too much. Yeah. From everything I'm reading, everything I see, and you got Alfred Molina. I know Marvel's mad at him because I don't know if you all heard the interview he did. Uh, he oh, played Doctor Octopus in Spider-Man too, and he just he went in detail. He's like, "Oh yeah, they're doing some agent technology for me for the Spider-Man, <laughs> and it's gonna pick up right where the uh, uh, Spider-Man two was." Uh, and he's like, uh, see all this stuff. But see, wow. that's what I that's what I want to get into right now. Cause I was gonna say, like, going off of what Bell said, where you know they, we could be getting a send-off from Garfield. Like, I think these actors are having fun. Like it could be a lot of pressure involved in keeping these storylines. But when you look at something like what uh what uh, Paul Brittany did with WandaVision, where he was talking about working with an actor he always wanted to work with at the end of the series and it wound up being him. Like they probably they probably do like they like to do stuff like that. So like like if Garfield is doing something where he's like, well I'm not appearing in Spider-Man three, but I am appearing in Doctor Strange too. Like they could have fun with this type of stuff and I, I would think they would enjoy that. But he also said he didn't get a call. But I'm like, did you get an email? Right. Yeah. Semantics. Semantics. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. it's all semantics, man. We, we take it back to Bill Clinton type ways, man. You know, <laughs> what is the definition of is and all that, you know. But, but I, I, you know, I bring up Paul Bettany and uh, you know, right quick before we you know, wrap up this Marvel talk, like these first two series, I think are going to be go down as monumental events. And uh, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on. You know the overall quality, what you thought of these series, and uh, and, and we, we're gonna talk too a bit about your your exclusive interview, Brandon, that you had with uh the people behind uh, uh the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But you know, but before we get into that, just you know, let, give me your thoughts on both WandaVision and 
uh, Falcon Winter Soldier and what you thought they have meant to Marvel and to this whole, you know, advancing of this comic culture and TV now. Yeah, two very different shows, but two strong ones. Um, what I, I think Marvel tapped into what I think the fans have been craving, and it's an extended conversation. When you watch a movie, you have a conversation, but obviously after a few months, that conversation kind of, or a few weeks, kind of dies, right? But what Marvel did was each week, you are continuing conversation, speculation, mm. theories, and you're keeping the brand and this universe alive in that sense. So genius from that perspective. I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck, though. WandaVision almost lost me. Um, the first three episodes, four episodes, I'm like, where are we going? This is not good enough to warrant me watching every single week. He sound like Tony. I might just wait until it starts to get good. And then finally, they gave me something because it was doing a little lot of too much mystery. I don't got enough answers. Whereas Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, you get right to the action, just a one scene, one, and you're in it. And yeah. you're, you're bubbling. So, you know, I liked Falcon and Winter Soldier better. I liked WandaVision's ending better than Falcon and Winter Soldier's. So, you know, I think both had strong suits and both introduced new things to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that, like you said, are going to be monumental for sure. Mm. What's the plot of this, too? Like, how does Wanda have this big old magical event and Doctor Strange doesn't show up at all? All this dark magic going down in this town and Doctor Strange well, ain't got to go? It, 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 go ahead, Bill. They, they had the point of bringing him in originally. So yeah. They didn't want to take away from Wanda's story overall. I guess knowing, like what we highlighted before, how they ended up treating so yeah. They said they didn't want a white guy to come in and save the day. They, they was... Right. <laughs> He could have yeah, popped up and stroked his beard a couple times, but like, hmm. He's the sorcerer supreme, and he got this agate for the archivist doing dark magic, and he's not there? And he's talking about this all-powerful thing, and what's he doing? Yeah. You see everything that was going on outside? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll be explained in his movie. I don't know, but. Well, she's well, she's she's in part two, right? Charlie, which is in. Yeah, she's gonna be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a Rayquan and Ghostface. You know what I'm saying? She, they, 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 right? uh, I, I don't know with with the two shows. Um, I don't know, kind of like uh, reverse with Brandon on some points. But I actually loved the first three episodes of. Uh, WandaVision because it was so different and it kind of it kind of brings me back I know you probably do I feel this because we grew up watching those old 60s and 70s TV shows all the time yeah you go to school you was watching the witch <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying you was watching all those shows like, uh-huh. exactly, yeah exactly well you know channel 32 man they ran all those shows in the afternoon yeah so I love I love that because it was so different I was like wow where are they going with this and they kind of drop me in the the modern, the modern day into it. Like, oh, this is dope. And then, and then the other half of the show, I was like, okay, all right, we were, we were in the yeah. regular show. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, Captain America went so through. I think, I wish it was a little bit longer. I wish it was like another yeah. two episodes. Yes. Um, yeah. The only weak parts to me really were the flag smashers 
And when you was bringing up your theory of Black Panther 2, uh, Brandon, I was thinking about Flag Smash. I'm like, man, this would be good. Maybe they could have been inspired by Wakanda because, you know, in this five-year gap, they was like, man, we don't need no king. Same thing with them. Like, man, you know what? The Wakanda said we didn't need a king. Man, we don't need no borders. You know what I'm saying? So it's, mm. it's, it's, it's ways that you can kind of pull everything together. Let the work work for you. Um, but that was probably the only thing that I did not really like with uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier. Other than that, it was action-packed, and it, I knew what I was going to get. You know what I'm saying? It was an action TV series. I knew what I was going to get with it. So I thoroughly enjoyed WandaVision. And because it was the first one, you had all these theories and stuff. Oh, man, what is this going to happen? Is this first in this? You, you didn't get that with Falcon and Winter Soldier. It was just kind of like I'm watching an action show. But WandaVision, it just made you think constantly, all the time, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? That's what made me love the show more. I they're saw doing a, they're doing a great job though. They're doing a great job. Two out of two so far. Right, right quick. Uh, I'm let you get in, Bill. But I saw a uh, article I think on the website Inverse that sort of proposed that maybe they should have reversed the order. Like uh, originally, the order was going to be reversed, yeah. where uh, you know Sam and Bucky was going to be before WandaVision, but they it got switched because of the productions and. Um, you know, I think the, this article sort of proposed that they should have stayed that way, the first way they were going to do it, because it would have been more of an easier transition from the the typical Marvel production that we got in the movies than to what we got, the experimental stuff that we got from WandaVision. It wouldn't have been such a, you know, it wouldn't have threw off so many people as being the first series, you know, as it, as it did. But... But, you know, like I said, it, it eventually steered everybody, got everybody involved. I th- Like, I agree with you. Like, we said this in, in, in private text, D, like, yeah, if, if you were a kid who grew up in the 80s and early 90s and saw those early shows that were being reran from the 60s and 70s, it, it did sort of warm your heart, those first couple episodes. And especially, like, if you noticed the craftsmanship that was involved in the way that they really – made those productions like those shows like Bewitched and Dick Van Dyke and all that. It, that that was really what impressed me, the craftsmanship as much as anything. Yes. And the fact that those episodes as standalone sort of existed as as uh, as any of those old sitcoms would have. But it was important that they brought how and that they brought the greater uh, Marvel world into it. And like I say, they did it masterfully, starting with the uh, the episode where uh, you know, they knocked, uh, you know, Monica got knocked out and everything, and you know, uh, and, and right now really when yeah when they when they started the episode where it started with the bl- Monica recovering from the blip, and and she was you know frantically you know, searching for a month. That was such an amazing scene. And, amazing scene. Yeah. That was the key episode. Yeah. Oh, now the show, now we got, we're, we're cooking now. Definitely. I'm not, I'm not saying the show was bad, though. I, I want to make oh, yeah. sure I'm not, not I, him, I, though. I'm not saying I didn't like the first three or four episodes. Well, I mean, it, it, but it's, it's understandable that it, if it threw you off or it was like, well, I, I'd like to see a little more than this, you know, this cosplaying and stuff, you know. Yeah, for me, the weekly thing, I'm like, I got impatient. Like, y'all got to give me some reason to come back. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like they were giving me enough reason in those first three of Sure. So, yeah. Hey, Mel, you got you got some. 
Yeah, I just I want to jump in and say I think the order also should have been switched because to me, now that I think about how it played out, if Falcon, uh, now Captain America, I should say, is going around everywhere, you mean to tell me going from what Louisiana, where his family was, or Atlanta, somewhere down south, all the way back up to New York for that last episode, he didn't pass through New Jersey one time that entire stuff with Wanda was going on. <laughs> so, what is this? That's what I say, D. What this red shit over here? <laughs> Bill, he would have flew over there like, that's a white people shit. I, I ain't even worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> get into uh here what were you what are you guys thoughts again like i said as brothers and everything watching this show the way that uh watching sam and bucky uh captain america now in the winter so what did you think about the way that the show approached race and dealt with race and legacy and the meaning of captain america being a black man and all those things Yeah. Just seeing that conversation too, 
And even the fun stuff with Zemo. Talking about Trouble Man. With <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. You know? You know, I'm like, yeah, Zemo can come to the cookout all of a sudden. Yeah, like, like Zemo, like Z, Zemo might have uh, studied a couple of black uh, studies courses at Howard or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. but it, just, it was, I think, it was well done in that regard. Um, the symbolism, especially, just the, the, the scene that's going to forever stick with me is after he's fighting Sam Wilson, fighting uh, U.S. agent with Bucky, and he gets the shield, and he's trying to wipe the blood off of it, and he's emotional, he's crying, he's trying to wipe this blood away. I was like, isn't that a symbol for America? Isn't that a symbol for how we as black people are always somehow have the responsibility of trying to clean up the mess? Mm-hmm. And trying to make this country live up to its ideals and shine as brightly as it's supposed to? And that's what it, that's what it signaled to me. And I think he was feeling that in that moment. Um, so I, think, I think they did a really good job with that, personally. I but think people don't agree yeah. they did a good job. I think U.S. agents uh, 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 pl- uh, crumbled up shield that he tried to put together as a civil <laughs> too. <laughs> he, he thought he was doing something with that shield. <laughs> yeah. They weren't messing with him like that. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think the show handled the race um, topic and discussions and the, the, the point of view of it as well as Disney was going to handle it. Mm. So it still shocks me at the age that I am right now, knowing the history of Walt Disney, that they even touch this. Right. Mm. To be honest with you, um, so I didn't expect them to be like, "Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying?" And Sam coming down, he about to, you know. About to preach like um, Malcolm X to these I didn't expect that. You know what I'm saying? I, I thought that they was going to do what they did. It, you can't go as hard as some people want people to go right now. I mean, I know everybody wants to, you know what I'm saying, in the times that we had it, I'm all for it, but I just know that in certain environments or spaces, that's not going to happen. So we, we already had enough people talking about, oh my God, this woke stuff on couch. I can't watch this. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? They gotta put that into consideration. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to tell some people that, but they, they do put that into consideration because they need eyeballs. They can't turn everybody off. As much as I wanted him to be Malcolm X and put on an X hat while he was coming down, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Instead of coming down like this, he coming down like this. You know what I'm saying? With a fist in the hand. It, it's not gonna happen. But to say all that, I think they, I think they, t- I think they crafted it well. I think they injected it where it needed to be uh, injected. You had a Dormelage pop up, you know what I'm saying? Boom, there you go. Some black sisters kind of like, oh man. They went in and, and, and kicked these white guys' asses so like, like that. You know what I'm saying? It was a way to put it in there to kind of let you know, hey, you know what I'm saying? This is this is, this is uh, in, the, in, the, in the front of our minds and our, and our thought process while putting this project together. I don't know what Captain America 4 is going to go into. I don't know if he's going to still dive into that or if he's going to get a regular, you know, not regular, but a comic book action movie. I don't know. But for what they did with it, and you got to understand this is Disney. He did the job. Sure. I would say I think that um, they did a lot. I think, excuse me, they did a very good job with it. And the way that they ended it, also sets it up to where if they would like to dive deeper into that in Captain America 4, 
Now you can because you've opened that door through knowing how Sam is going to be able to speak about issues moving forward, right? And now with the U.S. agent potentially popping back up or whatever the case may be, they'll be able to do that. The one thing I wish they did do that I desperately wanted, and another reason why I was wishing that it was a little bit longer, I wanted one episode of seeing Isaiah Bradley as like the old Captain America. To really put it over the top, but to also have people relate to everything that he was saying in in a, in a similar fashion to what like we got when the Five Bloods came out. It was like we heard these stories of what you know our fathers, our grandfathers, and so on and so forth went through. But being able to see him go through all of that and then have an episode where you might go through a period of five minutes for us, but it might be twenty something years for him sitting in jail having to having to deal with that and then have that conversation with Sam like you don't know what I went through yeah. to uphold this country in the way in which I did to go get my people. I think that would have been powerful if they were able to do it. But overall they did a good job and opened the door for more things. That's a good point, Mel. I, I I would hope that at some point they would maybe try to tackle because there was this series, The Truth, uh, Red, White, and Blue series that dealt with Isaiah Bradley and the, the experiments that were done on black super soldiers. So I would hope that something like that is approached in within the MCU do at America some point. Like, uh, like, the, like the Black Widow movie. Don't do yeah. it. Maybe the next Captain America movie. Maybe Captain America 4 with Sam leading. They can have something like that. Yeah. If you guys bring in Isaiah Bradley's son, too. Is going to be yes. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's been some talk that grandson. grandson, yeah. There's been some talk that they're sort of slowly getting together the Young Avengers, the young Avengers you know, because they got uh, they're gonna have uh, Kate Bishop in the uh, the Hawkeye series, and they got they already introduced uh, Ant Man's daughter, and they got the t- the the twins from uh, you know Wanda Vision. So yeah. There's definitely a lot of and stuff also, could be going there. Yeah, and also don't forget about this, guys. Ryan Coogler signed a deal with Disney for a five-year uh, content uh, deal. Now, yeah. I'm guessing it, I'm guessing it's not going to be just for uh, Disney Plus, but it could be for Hulu. I mean, there's they have so many different platforms to be able to tell these stories. They don't have to just do it in the theater. They can do it on Disney Plus, maybe go to Hulu. It's, it's, and that's what's so great about what Disney is doing right now. You have all these different platforms that you can put stuff on. And you can, like, they did the New Mutants. That, I think that was on Hulu. I'm not exactly for sure. I didn't watch it. Well, yeah, I heard it was, they kind of pushed it to the side. Yeah, we yeah. Don't, we don't throw that over there. Right? Well, yeah, but that was one of the last Fox projects. So, yeah, they didn't prioritize that. Yeah. Right, but at least they have somewhere to put it. And I think with some, doing something like a uh, Isaiah Bradley story, they have somewhere to put it now. They, they can get somebody to say, hey, I want you to handle this. I want you to right for this, whatever like that, and we're going to put this over here. Maybe, 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 maybe we do want to go where uh, Brandon was saying, when he was seeing the uh, opposite viewpoint of his, because I mean, I wish he would have went this far. They have a platform they can do that at. You know what I'm saying? They, can have a plat- they can go to Hulu, man. They can, they can get dirty if they want to. They you know, have to be Disney. It can do something like they, that. So they can go to, what I'm trying to say is different places you can go. They can go to they could go to Brown Sugar or BT Soul or something. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say that was going to be a story. I didn't care about her. Like, her death didn't meet, like, I, they didn't give me a reason to care about her. And they could have just had one flashback scene as to, like, how did she become this way that would have really hit home and connected with people. 
But yeah. instead, it's like, okay, she's this teen leader of, or young leader of the Flag Smashers. I don't know how she did that. I don't know why they trust her, but sure. Honestly, I wish that she did she didn't die because in the same way, it wasn't until I was searching through a Twitter thread when people were linking up the same way that um, Sam was speaking to her. It's similar to how Cap was taking over for Wanda back at some point in time. It's like, you know what? Maybe she could have been somebody that moving into Captain America 4 could have been somebody that he tutored under his wing or something. To yeah. say, hey, look, we got through that. This is not the way you do it. This is how you do something. But, you know, right. Well, yeah. yeah, it's 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 kind of tough, and, and and then you look at sort of the the amount of uh you know if not not complete uh you know redeem redemption, but he was able to continue on U.S. agent. You know why couldn't that same consideration been given to? To the flag smashers, again, Carly. So he just go. You know. I'm sorry, to cut you off. He just not go like one Abraham Lincoln quote, and all of a sudden we good. Like, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's how we go. Like your homie died. You throw yeah. it in Lincoln. You did in our book. Like, exactly. 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 And, and Brenda, I, I see that's another discussion. Uh, I would love to have with you brothers uh, again about uh, the sort of black. Uh, the the extent of black pain that we've been seeing in, in creativity nowadays that's something that uh you know I think has come up a lot with the series them on uh on Amazon and yeah yeah we, we we'll say that for another time I'm I'm a, I'm gonna wrap up you know I'm I'm so glad that you you brothers have given me uh the time that you're giving me this afternoon so but I, I ain't gonna hold you too much longer as, as the old Negro saying goes but uh <laughs> But uh, I, like I said, before we do end, I, I do want to, uh, Brandon, if you could speak a little bit on that at Ebony exclusive that you put together. You got to speak with uh, Malcolm Spellman, right, and, and, and the people behind. You, you spoke with uh, uh, Captain America himself, Anthony Mackie, man. Yeah, what, what was that like? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I talked to Malcolm Spellman, talked to Anthony Mackie. Um, what I was really looking to do when talking to them is understand what it meant for them if they realized how powerful the storytelling was going to be when they were actually going through the script. And Anthony Mackie, he talked about how, for him, he's been doing this 21 years acting, and this felt like winning an Oscar for him, to have Disney say, yo, we want you to have the IP. We want you to have the brand. We want you to be the front and center. Uh, that's that's a big thing for him, from doing 8 Mile with... Um, Eminem to this. Uh, so just talking about that journey for him and the significance of black Captain America, but the Malcolm Spellman discussion was really what hooked me. Because I was curious about some of the, the things that I thought as a viewer, I like to know if that was intention. I think sometimes as viewers, we read into, we read into things, and that's not always what was even intended. Mm. But no, he was like, I, I talked about how um, Captain America's speech at the end of episode, final episode, where he talked about every time I pick up the shield, I know that there's a million people that are going to hate me for it. Yeah. I asked Malcolm, like, that felt like to me you were kind of breaking the fourth wall and talking to the critics, talking to Twitter, talking to everybody out there that might have something to say. He's like, that's exactly what it was. Mm. And he gave this eloquent breakdown about how he connects Sam Wilson's journey to the activists we see today, the athletes who are kneeling um, and trying to fight for 
racial uh, progress and things like that. Um, just hearing Malcolm Spellman talk about the intentionality he had with the show and that the fact that he fought to write this show, like he made it clear he was the man to do this. Yeah. Tell them all, well, I want to go there. And I, I think I can be the one to give this unique, the unique storytelling it deserves. It was awesome. And I'm excited to see what he does with Captain America 4 and the future Marvel projects. He couldn't confirm for me whether he's part of Captain America 4, but we're close out there. I, I definitely pushed him. I, I asked him twice. <laughs> <laughs> and he would say, hey, man, let me look like if Marvel did it, if Kevin Feige uh, didn't say it, then it, it, it's not real. Um, and I'm like, okay, man, I'm not going to mess up your bag. I get it. Right. <laughs> he's, he's trying to be as careful as possible, but I'm excited for what's next. That's what's up. Hey, uh, Spellman seems like an interesting guy. I know he he wrote for Empire prior to this, and uh, I saw him. Uh, he was part of this series, this interesting series on FX called Hip Hop Uncovered that came out earlier this year. He was a a producer on that, and, and yeah, spoke on that series. So that's something I recommend uh, to y'all check out too as well if you haven't. But um, yeah, that it. it it's great just to have these type of voices and these type of people who are willing to expound and expand on things that you, like D said, you you don't normally expect from Disney and from that yeah. from from Marvel, you know. And they, yeah, you look at how the Russo brothers have been kind of treated by Marvel and James Gunn, yeah, they've kind of been elevated. I think you're going to see that next from Malcolm Stone. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier was his proof to Marvel, like yo, I am. I can take things to the next level, and I think he's on that. He's he's headed toward that trajectory that we put the Russos and James Gunn on, as far as directors and storytellers and showrunners for Marvel. So yeah, that's what's that, that's what's up. That's what's up. Great to have him and uh, Ryan Coogler both be on that same plane. Ryan Coogler on that too. Yeah, yeah. And, but it, it, like Brandon said, they yeah. they've been able to really build careers. Like they've they've been they brought other people in who've already built careers like Cougar, you know, had his movies outside of Marvel that, that, you know, Fruvel and uh, Creed and everything. So, but, you know, they like, they, pre they pretty much built the Russos up because the Russos are pretty much just doing TV before they did those movies with Captain America and stuff. And um, uh, James Gunn was more of like a B movie guy. So they, they built guys up and, and Michael Spellman like definitely could be another one. So, but, uh, like, like so before we before we wrap up for real now, I, I one more thing I want to get into because again, you know, uh, blacks and comics and stuff uh, that just came out today. Melvin passed off this link. Uh, you know, we nice. we were talking, yeah, we were talking Marvel all day, but you know, this is DC stuff now, and apparently DC, uh, as they typically do, following Marvel, uh, one of they were they're, they're dead set on a black Superman. A movie now they got Tanahasi Coates down with it for the writing, and it, there was a like there was a report that came out with the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it was interesting to me because like you know it was news, but it wasn't news. It was, a lot of it was speculative because they don't have a writer. They wait, well, they have the writer, but they don't have a director yet, and they don't have a star. And but you know a lot of people are pointing towards Michael B. Jordan, of course, as a star. But it's like. He said, he said, he just wants to watch. Just, right. So we all know. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, they didn't really, they didn't really break any news. They said that Tanahashi's script won't even be ready until December, 
So I'm like, okay, the fact that DC wants a black Superman in their universe is okay. That's great, but it's not really news to me at the moment. But I don't know. How, how do y'all react to that? Can I, if y'all don't mind, I just would like to jump in real quick. So the first thing that caught me off guard with all this news is the fact that, man, y'all must really hate Henry Cavill because ain't today his birthday. Like y'all would drop this news on his birthday today. Oh, wow. You could have dropped this news yesterday. Like, come on, don't do that right now to the guy that y'all still saying is supposed to be Superman, right? As I started to read the article, what the thing that stuck out to me is that they're supposed to be taking like maybe a a 20th century, or it's going to be like the same origin story that Superman had in the regular comics for this one. Why would we already have one that's named Balzai in a different universe? We could just do that one. Right. Especially when you're still pushing Henry Cavill as your Superman right now. That makes no sense to me why you would want to do something like that. You know? And that was just the first two things that caught my attention versus you could have waited for this. We already know Tanahasi's been in this group. You don't put that news out, what, two, three months ago? Why is this a random outburst when I just know where you want to drop this thing? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Made no sense to me. Well, I'm not sure they were responsible for the timing, so I'm sure they did the interview probably a week ago or a few days, and they just happened to drop it on Cable's birthday. But I, I'm torn on this one, guys. I'm really torn. I love Henry Cable as Superman. I did it in Man of Steel, but I like the progression that they did with um, that Zack Snyder did with him. I, I'm team restore the Snyderverse. I think that Justice League was, it, it made Superman, even the bad one, made Superman what he's supposed to be. Mm. Um, so I'm not okay with getting rid of Henry Cable. But I am okay with some alternate universe storytelling. If we're going to do it for Batman, why not? I just, you know, please don't give it to Michael B. Jordan. Please. Please <laughs> get a different black man. I'm so Is this tired. Brandon Pope or Tony Gill? I'm so <laughs> tired of Michael B. <laughs> <laughs> this man played the same character almost in every movie. He's okay. I get it with another black man. Give it to Otis Hodge. Find a new nigga. Javante Rose is out there like, bro, I can Javante Rose. There's, there's so many black actors who deserve some talent. The kid that played uh, Muhammad Ali in uh, One Night in Miami, Eli Gordy, give it to him. I don't just go outside of Michael B. Jordan. He's not that good, yo. Oh, man. Yeah, Tony, Tony gonna be fist pumping at this part. Get you though. I'm I'm not as dead set on Mike uh, on Mike as the rest as as y'all are, but but I under I understand, but I perfectly agree with you on spreading the love. It, but that's what Hollywood does. They get enamored with one or two brothers, you know, every few years, and then they want to give them all the roles. They wear the, they they overexpose them. People get tired of them, and then they move on to the next one. So, I mean, if if I was if I was Mike. If I was an MBJ or whatever, <laughs> I would be like, look, I, I got Lori here. I'm cool. I'm going to just do 
my little projects with Amazon or whatever, and I'm a so chill. Six. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm a chill. You know, the, don't have me, don't have me go out like Nick Cage with a failed Superman project, man. You know, I'm good. Oh, you have a storyline. I go back to my, my what I've been saying throughout this whole entire show. You have to work work for you. You have an arc that you can work off of. You have a black Superman in your universe already. Just tell that story. Put put a little spin to it. You got it right there. Now you don't need Michael B. Jordan. I, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I I I um I kind of like what DC is doing in the sense of you don't need to be like Marvel. Don't do any shared universe. You have three Batman movies with three different Batmans. No, yeah, baby, it's your world. <laughs> <laughs> you already got story arcs, story arcs like that in the comics already. The Dark Knight, you have. I mean, this is so many different kind of versions of a Bruce Wayne. You let the work work for you. I, I'm interested to see what they do. Coates is an amazing writer. I think this will be his first screenplay. Get this to be his first movie that he's ever. Uh, like, no, no, I think I think actually he's adapting. Yeah, he's adapted. Yeah, he's yeah he's done a movie. He's, I think he's wrote a movie with Kugler uh, about the uh, uh, teachers controversy in Atlanta. Yeah, and and I think he's adapted. He's adapting his book, the uh, the water water dancer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think he may have already done that. So. But it's still. I mean, but thank you for letting me know that. But I mean, we already know that he's a great writer, so we're not worried too much really about that. Um, just, yeah, just, just go out there, man. There's a lot of different, um, actors, black actors out there that can definitely, um, that definitely can, uh, you know, be the lead actor in a movie. You know, just, just DC do your thing. Just kind of be different. Like, I love the Joker. That was great. It was so different. It had nothing to do with anything else. That's cool. Be the eyeball. Just do something different. You don't have to tie it in or anything like that, you know? Black Adam is the one I'm checking for for DC because I'm a huge rock fan. I want to say. That's, that's I'm, I'm waiting for that. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. I see the cast. The cast is nice. I mean, yeah, hey, Pierce Brosnan is Doctor Fate. I'm like, yo, they're not playing, bro. They come down. They come down to the rock, though. They come down to that star quality. Like, hey, man, I want to work this person. Give me this person. I mean, yeah, he's taking it seriously too. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. what I remember from. He's like, he's gonna be Shazam? Like, what? Really? really? And, he, and he pulled it off. Had Melvin's girl in. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. She wasn't. I, I keep forgetting she was in there. Yeah. 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 yeah, they that was the coolest thing about that movie. They actually incorporated the whole uh Captain Marvel family in in that Shazam family, as I said. Well, and I think they're going to use that to go into Black Adam. So that's, yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to. But no, go ahead. You do the eyeball. Let the work work for you. You have a story arc for a black Superman. Just do that. If you don't need to. No, do the icon. Don't stay up. Do the icon. <laughs> okay. it, icon is just as strong as a 
Oh, wow. That was that, look, there's going to be some great research you're going to do later on. Long story short, uh, similar to the fast forward, alien came down, right? Scanned the closest being to him, but it happened to be a black slave, like back in slavery times. He's lived all the way through then until now. He's basically just like a, a professor that was like, I don't want to really go out and do the whole set of the world thing. But he has, I believe it's a young woman that's either his class or is in his neighborhood that convinces him to take up the mental becoming a superhero. And he basically is like the black. He's like just as strong as Superman, but he's black. Well, Brandon, you know, you know the Milestone characters, right? Yeah, that he was he was he was in Milestone as well, like with Static and them. That they, okay. yeah. Okay. So they, at D, you know, DC is trying to bring those characters back. So I don't know if like they're. They yeah. Yeah, yes. Give me Static shot. Give me all of them. Give me Black Lightning. You know, I'm all about it. I just, you know, I think there would it would be cool. It would be cool. It's a little like this. If you give me a Black LL LL Superman. Just, Straight up upset the the right wing and just make knock it out of the table. I would just love it for the saltiness that we're gonna get from people. Like, oh, you can't make Superman black. And it's like there is nothing that says a Kryptonian. Hey, look, I'm gonna say, wouldn't it black Kryptonians in the show? Yeah. Yeah. And then dude would come out. Was it Jeff Johns came out to uh, Superman's grandfather? He do black. Well, in the show. One, uh, what's his name? The villain from the first Superman movie. Why was the one thing? I'm blaming it right now. Um, yeah. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. No, not oh, no, he, uh, he, he's, talking about, he's talking about the, the newer movies. Zod. Yeah. Zod, so yeah. In, in the TV series, Zod's ancestors was black. So what's going on? You know, well, and I think, I, I, I believe the, uh, I got to credit this to the writer, David Dennis, but uh, he said like a, a society of people whose power comes from the sun and don't none of them be black? Don't none of them have melanin? That makes no sense. And then So yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's stupid to not have black people uh, emanate from Krypton, you know? But anyway, let's leave it at that, y'all. There's black people on Krypton. There's gonna be black people in the future. You know, it, they, we're not having any erasure here. and. And there's black people on this show. That's for damn sure. So I'm so glad to I'm so glad to have y'all and and to be able to build with y'all and and have some fun talking this stuff. And uh, yeah, we we'll, we we got to do it again soon, man. I want to keep up these conversations well with y'all uh, among others. So definitely uh appreciate y'all. Uh, right quick, you know, just let everybody know how to follow y'all and keep up with you. And uh, you know, if they if they want to hear more of these type of discussions from you online or whatever, you know, let them know. Yeah, I'm BPUB TV on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I guess, if I'm on it. Um, and yeah, you can find me there. YouTube is where I post a lot of my interviews. And um, Ebony, where I post a lot of my writing. All right. Demons uh, one on all social media as well, D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Uh, just kind of like I said, you know, I help build everything, but now I'm just coming out the bullpen to come and help. Uh, whenever they need me, uh, definitely find me on Twitter, uh, ranting and raving about something, uh, or, or you know, saying, or occasionally right before uh, we are reading radio.com. There you go. You can find me, Melvin Taylor. I, I is literally everything from the website, the YouTube, Facebook, IG, Twitter. 
whatever you need, just go ahead. All right. And of course, uh, yeah, everything, uh, War Media, uh, you know, you can find uh, com content, War Media, and um, me, uh, Means Matters now on Twitter is my tag, and uh, K-Mean on IG. And uh, any, if you want to follow me anywhere else, you got to know me a little better than just knowing my tags. <laughs> but uh, that's it for now, man. This has uh, been a great conversation. I really appreciate it, guys. Fandemonium, this is our Fandemonium special, doing uh, everything that really excites us as uh, in pop culture here with uh, uh, good friends and, co- and colleagues who can really speak on these things. So keep checking us uh, keep checking us out for more of these specials and, of course, all of our regular shows that we do week to week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's it for now. Appreciate you guys and appreciate all y'all listening. And uh, have fun. Hope hope y'all can enjoy uh, some time out at the movies this summer and, or, you know, streaming. If you got, if you're going to stay home and stream, they just take care of yourselves and, and do what uh, makes you feel good. And, uh, until then, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Peace, brothers.